국장님 오시고부터 발톱이 부쩍 빨리 자라네. 뭔줄 안가 몰라. 아가씨는요. 그런 거 모르고 사는 게 좋아요? 큰 바다에 얼마나 많은 배들이 오고 가는지 떠나느니 돌아오느니 보내느니 맞아주느니 아가씨 제일 멀리 가본 게 어디예요? 뒷동산이죠? 지금 이대로도 괜찮을 것 같아. 너만 같이 있어주면. You're listening to The Night Before, a movie podcast. Each episode, we find a unique place in the city and share a drink and our thoughts about the movie we watched the night before. This is Lee, and I am joined, as always, by my husband, Jesse. We're rolling. We're rolling. This is our first episode with the pre-recorded intro. intro. So we're just jumping in. So we're not used to it. Yeah. But, All right. Um, in a refreshing change of pace. It is morning, semi. It is morning time. It's not noon yet. It's not noon yet. So we are um, trying out a new, it's a new old place, but we've never been here, um, even though it's very close to our house. <clears throat> um, it is called the Corner Club. Yep, Corn Club in Tampa, St. Uh, Tampa, Florida, Seminole Heights neighborhood. We've been kind of stalking it on social media for a little bit because well, it's COVID, overgone some changes. Some changes. You used to pass this on your way to work for like a good I year did. and a half. I did. But um, and we always heard stories about the Corner Club as kind of the dive the, bar. Well, like of. the locals only, industry workers, right? Dive bar folks that. Um, we're looking for a drink after work, after the, right. the restaurant's so closed and whatnot. So we never stopped by, but then over COVID, I think it, we rec started recognizing that it became, we saw events it changed, happening there. It changed there, ownership. Changed owners. Um, not that we didn't like it before. We don't know if we would have liked it. No, but, but that, um, it signaled a change um, and sort of said, hey, we need to check this place out. We were noticing some really good food options that kind of appealed to us. And um, there's honestly not a ton of breakfast options around where we live, like good breakfast options, local breakfast options. Yeah, so back it up. We're, we're, we just ate some breakfast. We're sitting over some cup of locally roasted coffee. The coffee is great. From King State Coffee, which we did our Mank episode at. Yes. So they use that coffee, which is mm -hmm. good. Always a plus for us when they have good coffee. Much better than the coffee we're brewing at home. <laughs> the Costco coffee. The Kirkland Costco brand's not cutting it. <laughs> Got to save money somewhere. But no, it's nice. And when you walk in the door, there is like a, 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 a sketch drawing of Dolly Parton and yes. um, Waylon Jennings as well. So that kind of vibe. And also, if you listen to our... The dry episode, we talk about Wailing Jennings and that record of it. And um, it's a really so nice cool feel in here. It's clean. It's um, just kind of cozy and, and local. The menu is great. But, like but, they have some great things on the menu, but it's not just breakfast. It's breakfast, lunch, dinner. And, well, they sort of um, took over the mantle of bar the too. previous place. The, uh, still called it the Corner Club. Still open. It's not open as late. It's not like into the wee hours of the morning. Till 11. They're open till 11 p.m. But it's still a place you can come and get, um, like, kind of a nightcap. Uh, but they also updated it to be a breakfast spot and uh -huh. a hangout spot for the neighborhood because it's just nestled right in the middle of the neighborhood on the corner. It's starting in, Thus, like, an hour. They're having a barbecue and market. Yeah, so, so we, we may have to, have to extend this into this, lunch. Wrap this episode up. Get to the BBQ. They also have really good craft beers. They have cocktails. You know. Yeah. But this is our coffee episode. Well, that's what I'm coffee. saying. A refreshing change of pace. <laughs> We're back to over coffee. No blaring. No blaring music. music. No large. Even though it's a healthy number of people coming and going through brunch and whatnot, it's not packed. Right. We're sometimes kind we're, of scream at each yeah, other. Yeah, sometimes we're sitting amongst huge, you know, people just having fun at the end of a day. Like large groups from work. And that vibe is sometimes fun, too. Yeah, friend hangout. And we're sometimes yelling at each other. Uh -huh. So here's one another. Um, but this is like calm and relaxing. So we're excited to check it sure. out and we're really glad we did. We'll be back a lot. Yeah. One thing I like about here, we're staring, I keep staring up at the Michelob beer. Um, 
kind of stained glass chandelier lights. lights that obviously when this was the original corner club there was uh, a pool table there had to be a here. pool table Definitely. sitting here so i dig it that they've kind of modernized it it looks like a lot of your more modern hip cool coffee shop restaurant bistro type things but they kept some of the old but they kept a lot of the old light. elements the bar lighting in some areas not everywhere they've updated the lighting but kept those old Michelob chandeliers um, you know, the Wailing Jennings and Willie Nelson and Dolly Parton sketches yeah. at the door. It's cool. From, according to their story, those pictures, and I think these light pictures, were included in the, 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 sale. the lease, the sale, yeah. That's so. awesome. And we had some breakfast. Yeah, we could actually walk or ride our bikes here if we wanted to. I, I mean, it would be that. a longer walk, but riding bikes would be very easy. I was thinking almost like we go home after this episode... Get our bikes. Jump on our bikes. Ride back up. Take the two-mile bike ride or whatever it is. I would be adventurous. Here, enough. check out the barbecue thing. So, you know, you have a little bit of psychological feel-goodness that, although I've been... Eating and sitting Filling all my morning. belly with barbecue and bread and whatever else. on my bike. At least I rode my bike here. <laughs> right? That makes you feel better. It does. It does. It I does. know. It does. <laughs> Um, so right. anyway. So movies. So we watched two movies. Another double feature. Another double feature. A thematic double feature, if you will. It is. Yeah. And I think, though we have to talk about each film separately for a little bit, I think maybe we, we should just intertwine and them. And too. again, and, and part of me, is, I've already been thinking, did I like one better than the other? I think you did. I think I did, too. I know. but And my thought was, and I did. But I like them both. But, and I like them both for different reasons. But then my thought was, well, they're not meant to be compared either, right? No, Isn't they're not. It weird? These are both Korean films. Yeah, just because they're Korean doesn't mean they're meant to be compared. Yeah, one came and out they're not in the same like South Korean. One came out in 2016. Another came out in 2018. They're by different directors, different writers, different actors. It's not like it's even the same work of the same different director. Different feel of a, the movie. Yeah. Completely. So sometimes in our minds, right, we have to say. However, this. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, in our minds sometimes we're like, oh, we need to put these in a box, in a category. Because they're both Korean, one has to be better than the other. Okay, so whatever, the thing that we did keep saying about both movies, though, was they were both artistically compelling. Yep. And they were both symbol- very symbolic. There was a lot of symbolism and Well, they're just, I think both, so one movie's called The Handmaiden. Mm-hmm. As the title of this episode called, and the other one is called Burning. Mm-hmm. But yeah, one of our comments was, man, like South Korean cinema is killing it. It is awesome. Like yeah. they make thought-provoking films, they make artistic films, they make um, um, well-paced, even though they're both long movies, like they take their time. They take your time, and you have to adjust your expectation of your typical American viewing viewing um, experience because you have to be patient with it. And it, American cinema is catered towards it's, the instantaneous. It's like my problem with The Quiet Place Part Two, right? Yeah. It was, we're not going to sit in any of these moments for a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're not going to wait on things to develop and simmer. We're going to show you stuff, and we're going to keep moving. These movies... And to develop a feeling about it and think about it while you're watching it. You don't have time to do that in typical American cinema. Yeah, these movies are both like... Because both these movies deal with... Like, there's some crazy stuff that happened in both of them. Mm-hmm. But both of them are just like, you know, they're slow burns. We're not going to even really tip our hand at, at where we're going with these movies. And that's what they both share in common. Until like an hour, hour and a half in. Right. Like, you don't even know what's going, where it's headed. And, and where I appreciate all of that, I am programmed to be mm-hmm. an American cinema watcher. I'm not going to say I'm not. Where I and, and because I am such a tired person mm. at night, they even though I was really into both of the storylines and movies, I found myself in the longer pauses and quieter moments of the movie feeling sleepy and it bothered me because I would close my eyes for a second you can't, you can't and then you realize wait I have no idea what they're saying mm-hmm. you cannot follow the movie if you close your eyes clearly so um, that was slightly tough 
not because either of them were boring by any means, but because that's just me, my personality and my expectation of an American person growing up watching cinema. All right, so then I had another thought. Mm-hmm. When we were like this, oh, South Korean filmmakers are so great, right? But then my thought was our selection pool, our test pool, if you will, of Korean cinema is so smaller, right? We're seeing the best of the best yeah. that gets sent out, right? Okay, because also we said, man, Parasite, so good. So good. Um, those kind of things. And so, like, if you only see three or four Korean movies, I mean, I've seen a handful, and, like, one of them, what attracted me to The Handmaiden was I had seen another film by the same director called Old Boy, which mm-hmm. was really, 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 really good. And I was like, oh, man, and this is on Am- Both of these films, by the way, are on Amazon Prime. They're free if you have Amazon Prime, The Handmaiden, and Burning. But then my thought was, I mean, to, to, to make an accurate statement, we need to see, like, a, a bunch of Korean cinema. Because I'm sure, just like American cinema and Western cinema, there's a lot of that easily digestible, easily accessible, not as artistic, let's just tell the story and go, right? Because right? yeah. think about it, what are we, things we've seen lately that are in that same high caliber of great artistic filmmaking, you know, Killing of Two Lovers we talked about, yeah. The Sound of Metal, a still a movie we talk mm-hmm, about constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, love it. You know, even things that, you know, though I didn't love, love it, I could also see the slowness and the subtlety of it, of something like Nomad Land. Um, Limbo. Well, Limbo's well, like a, Limbo's not, not American, American film, yeah. but it's still that idea that, okay, these things are happening out there, and we see these glimpses. Um, heck, when we saw The Neon Demon, we mm-hmm. talked about that recently. Yeah. It's, True. Again, now, he's, what, Danish, Refn, mm-hmm. the director, so but, he's but, he's working with, but he's working within the American studio system yeah, and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. Um, so... I think when we see these sort of highlight films, you do kind of have to, it's easy to get swept up in that mindset of like, man, all these films are so good. But out of the stuff that is getting to us in in mainstream outlets from South Korea. They are good. They're good. They're phenomenal films. So however they're being released out, because, you know, granted, you would think it has to be because these turn into distribution rights and... Mm -hmm. Different countries are spending millions of dollars to adopt, to, to bring them to their studio. So that was my other thought when I was trying to make sure I wasn't just jumping the gun on them making the good. declaration that mm-hmm. South Korean cinema is a... But until I'm shown otherwise, I still believe that... We have no film to show us that it's <laughs> mediocre or bad in any way. We have no yeah. experience with any film. Now, there was one other we were going to watch, but you said that would be better than The Burning. Oh, um, I or Saw Burning. the Devil? Yeah. Yeah, I still really want to see I Saw the Devil. I just think that's going to... And that's a little slightly older one. I think that's just a little more gruesome and oh, um, I'm glad we didn't violent. do that then. Um, I mean, um, I don't mind gruesome, but sometimes I'm not in the mood for gruesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of how Old Boy, the movie Old Boy, the same director who did The gotcha. Handmaiden, that's sort of where Old Boy goes. It mm-hmm. goes kind of violent and gruesome. Um, but, but still really, really good. And yeah. I think I saw the devils right up there with it. But anyway. But anyway, let's start with uh, The Handmaiden. Yeah, jump in The Handmaiden. So I really liked The Handmaiden. It was long. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, both of these films, I think, are like two and a half hours long. two hours, yeah. Um, and I, I honestly did not know... I mean, I understood the concept of a handmaiden, mm-hmm. obviously. But this movie took so many turns that I did not know mm-hmm. what was going to happen yeah. from one, you know, every kind of pivotal point. I could not predict what was happening. You know, yeah, well, I mean, it was easy to follow, but it wasn't easy to say. I'm gonna say this say, was the like, easier, easier film to follow of the two. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I feel that way. <laughs> I, I don't I think, feel I think that when way. I think you think of it at the end of the whole thing. I think, or maybe not to follow, but I think by the end of it all, you have a better idea of kind of what all happened and where it all went. The Handmaiden. 
So it's definitely like a woman empowerment movie for sure. Um, the Handmaiden. Yeah, which is... Um, yeah. Which I didn't really expect that to be... I didn't really read up on it, so I didn't really understand the theme of it by any means. Um, but as it develops, you realize that the women, although being demeaned and um, taken advantage of by powerful men... Um, are kind of building up their kind of time to say they're taking back their life and they're going to be who they want to be and uh, live how they want to live. Yeah. Yeah, so The Handmaid is sort of like this weird... Both of these are sort of weird lover triangle movies, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Like, um, and that was, I think, initially what attracted both of us to it, that, oh, this is going to be... Interesting, like a little yeah. lover's triangle. Of course. And then The Handmaiden is the issue where it involves two women and a male, and mm -hmm. The Burning involves two men and a female, mm -hmm. right? And The Handmaiden is interesting in that it's set in 1930s, mm -hmm. Korea, and this is when Japan rules and occupies Korea, like it's under Japanese rule. Mm -hmm. And so that's what this is. The main female character... It's like a rich, um, orphaned Japanese right. woman. Right. Who's, who's been pampered and taken care of And her she's whole being life. raised by her uncle because her mom... Who's rich. Her, yeah. Well, well the, the, it's her wealth. Yes, the it's uncle, her wealth. The uncle kind of is part of all that because of her mom's dad. Mm -hmm. um, her mom, like, died early on. Mm -hmm. Maybe childbirth. Something early on like that. Childbirth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so she was being raised by her aunt and uncle. And then the aunt Dies. seemingly committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Right. And this very symbolic um, cherry blossom tree, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. um, in the middle of their property. And so they're Japanese living in Korea because the Koreans occupy this. And the other female character, our main character, is... Hired as her handmaiden. A Korean who's hired as a handmaiden to her, her personal handmaiden. And the whole story is, it sort of like begins like Parasite a little bit, right? Right. Her, it's her uncle, the, the handmaiden, it's either her uncle or not brother. Or someone just kind of like in charge of their family, like the male dominant person yeah. in charge of their kind of what's going on. I mean, you see this home where people are basically... Breeding. Oh, that's right. Children. The handmaiden, because that's what Nursing I liked about children. it. The movie starts off, and she's like, "Oh, they to introduce sell. They, well, they introduce the handmaiden at the Korean handmaiden as being selected because it shows the Japanese soldiers in a Korean village, mm -hmm. and then it shows the Korean handmaiden like getting selected to be to go be a handmaid for this Japanese woman, and it shows her kind of uncomfortably being inserted into the super nice house." And then she gets what's the equivalent of a tiny closet that just fits a bed is where she sleeps. That's what her space is. But she's taken out of this home that's, I, I'm assuming, relatives and more than relatives. Yes, the whole family. And that's what I said. And, she, and the, what I liked about it, she goes, you might be feeling sorry for me thinking I'm a poor, lonely woman who's been selected to be a handmaiden, forced mm -hmm. to sleep in a closet. And then she proceeds to tell us her story is what you were saying. They were... Right. They were, you know, she's basically a part of this con, you know, that they... They're a haven of criminals haven to do whatever it takes to survive. They sell babies. They nurse babies. They sell, you know... Yeah, they take unwanted babies. They take unwanted babies. They nurse them. And they, they sell them. And they sell them. Yeah. And they steal. They pick They steal. Pocket. They pick pocket. They are thieves. And um, so she's part of this group. And... Uh, one of the man, maybe it's her uncle in charge, mm -hmm. um, decides to pick this woman to be the handmaiden in order to con. Well, he forges. That's what you think. He forges books. He's a book forger. He mm -hmm. can, and there's a market for these, um, like so kind of erotic fiction. Um, so he forges the books like originals because the Japanese uncle 
um, of that big rich estate, he has an extensive collection and doesn't want to get rid of his originals. So he has hired um, this, this other guy, so her so handmaid's thing, to forge them and to sell them. Um, it's like pornography. Yeah, so I said like er erotic fiction, yeah, yeah erotic yeah. from the 1930s. And but he's posing as a um as a Japanese count. He's called the count. So the book forger who's Korean is po posing as a Japanese individual. So their goal you think is for him to put this handmaiden in this home. And for the handmaiden to convince this rich woman to fall in love with him. Yeah, the and Japanese. And marry him so yeah. he can, well, in a sense, take her money. And then she has had problems. It is somewhat known that she's had problems with mental illness. And that he would eventually have her committed. Yeah. And then take all her money. And that's the initial goal. Yeah, starting so the at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, so the triangles between the count... Um, which is the the con artist, um, the handmaid Suki, mm -hmm. is the Korean handmaid, and then Lady um, Hadiku mm -hmm. is the Japanese heiress, and and that's without going into too much in it. It's a movie that like twists and turns. It, it's told Throughout in three different. It's told in three different parts. Mm -hmm. It's a movie kind of about deception, mm -hmm. and desire. Um, desire and people having their own agendas. Um, it's like super symbolic. Mm -hmm. It's super graphic at times. Yes. But not so much in violence, even though there's some of that too. It's, it's more in the sexual yeah. piece. Because that's the one thing we do learn in all of this is with this Japanese uncle. Um, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't think we'll get into grand spoilers, but it turns out that Lady Haduku is being, as since a young girl, is being. Raised to read this and all that. Erotic fiction but her, to her a group role of men. in this family is now as an adult, she reads the fiction out loud to these Japanese noblemen who sit in their nice suits and just listen. And get hot and bothered. To her read, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which is sickening mm -hmm. and um, humiliating for her. Um, but it's her role, it's her job. Since she was a little girl, that's why she was taught to read. Yeah. Yeah. And the movie, I was great about it, the movie all throughout is filled with just, um, well, like... it's beautifully done. You don't feel, like, creepy about it. No. Because it's beautifully filmed and, and well done. You're kind of, like, figuring it out as you go. It's not thrown in your face. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, like, shot beautifully. It's, like I said, it's set in the 1930s, so it has this sort of, um, not, like, Victorian-era feel, but mm -hmm. it's this, this very, like proper like it looks it's a period piece film mm -hmm. but it's modern enough that it, it doesn't feel so far removed from what we're used to um and i just thought it was fascinating the relationship between the two women suku the handmaiden and, and the heiress um heiress. lady hadiku and how of course i mean you can see it coming from a mile away you see it in the trailer like there is some sexual tension between and, the two and, women and, ex and exploration between the and, two of them. Or desire. Yeah. And um, figuring that out. And the count, the con man wanting, like I said, his goal is to, you know, they're all working in cahoots. It's sort of like, right, again, like Parasite. It's this idea of like, oh, the, these lower class poor people will work their way in. Right. To exploit... The rich. The rich, and to get it. When what we more than other movies through this movie, more than like Parasite, clearly, is you think you have it figured out, mm -hmm. and then it takes a turn. You're mm -hmm. like, who's working on whose side, is what you start thinking. Like, who's... Well, what you learn in this house is everyone, every single character in this movie is trapped in some sort of like prison that they're trying right. to, they're all trying mm -hmm. to get some sort of freedom, Right. Obviously, the count is chasing riches and wanting to become rich and become the mm -hmm. demi. Like the the handmaiden, she wants. She also wants kind of freedom in her own life and to be free of this control of the count, of just her family, all that. And she's also more into finding like desire and love as well. So, well, too. Uh, yes, and 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 the Japanese heiress 
she wants to be free. She's been like kind of a sexual prisoner mm-hmm. um, by her uncle um, in her life. Um, she's moving towards like, you know, almost like an arranged marriage. Right. Through all this. And with a person she is completely uninterested in. Yeah. Um, she wants out. Mary. And then even the uncle, the Japanese uncle who is doing all this, this stuff. Manipulating. And, and yeah. And he's been manipulating his wife before he dies, before she dies, mm-hmm. the girl the, as she grows up. Um, but he's also like a prisoner in his own like warped sexual desires. Oh, the uncle. Um, the uncle. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. As oh, well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's like, yeah, just like crazy, crazy imagery. It's just really good. Yeah. I think it's a hard watch for some people, but I also think it's really, really good. And the last thing I'll say it about is, it is, it's not a hard watch through the whole thing. And like I said, it, it's slow to develop, but worth, worth the patience. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, maybe I'm clarify. It's a hard mm-hmm. watch if you're not patient with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was entranced with it from beginning to end. And I, I tend to get, I mean, I tend to, it's not that I get impatient. It's that I, I am a sleepy mm-hmm. movie watcher. <laughs> and what I meant was like, it's easier to follow is even though you don't know where it's going. Mm-hmm. You want to know. Well, no, it's, it keeps it's, you wanting to know. Yeah, it does. But it's split into three parts. Mm-hmm. Once they kind of, each part, they kind of peel a huge chunk of the story back. And they do a lot of retracing and retelling story from different perspectives. Because, you know, you got your three main characters, and it kind of shows their three perspectives through these three parts. Once it ever jumps back to, like, oh, now it's part two. Oh, now it's part three. It pulls a lot back that you get a lot of clarity real quick. You get huge chunks of clarity throughout yes, this. Yeah. And once you, and it's really satisfying and pays off, and it lets you kind of think, okay, now that I got this missing piece of the puzzle... Where are we going next? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still, it still defies your expectation. Yeah. But, but as it gives you those huge chunks, I felt that, okay, okay, I get it now. I see, you know, I, I understand a bit more why, why people are acting the way they're acting, why What's they're happening? saying they're doing. If this is a movie you would want to go back and watch again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because... Well, the more you know, like, even though the they tell you... The more you know, you, you kind of want to go back and see, like, how they were acting and the... Yeah, because even though they do a lot of flashbacks Your expectation in this film, is different from the beginning to the middle to the end. Mm-hmm. And like symbolism is, is off the chain here, but I never felt anything was, and then we'll talk about this for burning in a minute, nothing was ever like super heavy handed. It's like it's here if you want to figure it out. Mm-hmm. We're not going to like hit you over the head with it, but we are going to um, be consistent with our motifs. Mm-hmm. One of the part which I, speaking of that, and I don't think to get into it much, because I think everything about the film, which is funny, thematically everything in the film is subtle. Mm-hmm. But then there's other elements of the film that's just like not subtle. Oh, yeah. I mean, the sexual... Yeah, which is funny sexual, to me. The um, sexual scenes mm-hmm. are not subtle at all. Yeah. At all. But I thought that was also They're representative... Very sensual in a way that you don't see in normal cinema. No, but I also thought it was interesting in the fact that these characters who are basically run and their, their lives are run and manipulated by their sexual, the men, by their sexual fantasies, mm-hmm. right, and longings. And the women are objects within this, right? Mm-hmm. And again, it's a little subtle message of are they acting the part that they've kind of been trained and brainwashed to, to believe? Mm-hmm. Or are they taking control of it? Acting upon their own desires. And, free, and being free of it? You don't really know that. You don't. And you that's know. the thing. You don't know. Have they been sort of warped themselves? You don't really know that. And I think with the, that, the, their sexual desires towards each other and whatnot, I mean, it's palpable in the mm-hmm. movie. However, I agree with that. You don't know if that's how they've been trained to show sexuality or if it, they're acting on their own desires. But also, you know, we were talking after the movie and I thought... Very little talk. Very little talk. But one, one comment that I <laughs> made was if you've been objectified and treated by men like that your entire mm-hmm. life yeah, since yeah. you were a little girl... Mm-hmm. 
how could you be attracted to men mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or even feel safe sexually with a man? So it makes sense for them to feel safe and desire each other. Yeah. And that, that was a couple little... I mean, little... whether they identify as, as lesbian or mm-hmm. not, they're, they're, they're seeking um, comfort and sensual feeling and nurturing through each other because men have treated them so horribly through their entire life, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that is definitely an aspect of it as well. My only other thought on that, my only other thought to bring up too, again, on this whole like thing of subtleness, right? Mm-hmm. Is subtlety. Subtlety. <laughs> the subtleness of their subtlety. <laughs> the subtleness of their subtlety. <laughs> is There's, I haven't explored it, but there's definitely something there too. Yeah, there's a little bit of the classism, the rich and the poor, mm-hmm. but there's also a lot of like culturalism and, and nationalism, right? There's talk about how Koreans think Japanese people are ugly, and that Japanese people mm-hmm. think Koreans are ugly. Mm-hmm. This is set in Korea. It's a South Korean-made film, but I, you know, there is still, you know, there's supposed to be this historical resentment or whatnot of Japanese occupation of Korea, uh-huh. right? Up until into World War II. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is like imperialism, right? This is the Japanese in Korea and Koreans are their servants and do their, you know what I mean? They do their bidding and whatnot. So just that element within the film too yeah. is interesting. Um, and just another little piece I would just be curious what, you know, as a film, like kind of what they're saying about that, right? The the Japanese, and that, you know, these are Koreans trying to infiltrate the Japanese. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just curious. It's just another element to this film. And it's the subtitles are... Oh, and it, oh, that's one last thing. It does a cool white job, right? or yellow, depending on the, the language that's being interpreted. If it's Korean, all the subtitles are white. If they're speaking in Japanese, it's yellow. Right. And there's, it's just fascinating. So that was interesting. I've never seen a movie like that. How they... But, it, but it's Go also... Go back and forth between Japanese and Korean language. Yeah, the easy choice would have been like, oh, it's just all subtitles in one color. But when you know that, oh, it's in yellow, and you see certain characters switching between Korean and Japanese... Well, it, it emphasizes the importance of what you were talking about, mm-hmm. the historical or cultural importance of the Japanese and South Korean. Speaking on taking that sort of element of foreign control and imperialism and oppressiveness as another subtle theme that was also present in Burning. Good transition. Right? It was. It was. I mean, it was a completely different movie. Not the point of the movie at all. It was not historical. It was set in modern day. So Burning. um, Set in Korea. Set in South Korea as well. South Korea. Near the North and South Korea border. Near the North and South Korea border. Mm, Um, And I really liked this movie a lot. So this Um, is the one you like better. I think I liked... I know you liked um, the first one better. Um, I'm just blanking right now. I like Burning better. So you think um, Handmaiden I like better. I think you liked Handmaiden better. But I don't know. I'm not going to speak for you. <laughs> no, here, here's my comment. I liked them both. I think, if I agreed. had to pick one, I liked. I liked burning slightly no, more. No, agreed. Back to the. Um, oh, got a little sneeze. Bless you. No, back to the beginning of it. We said, why do we feel the need to to rank them and compare them? Mm-hmm. But if I would, I would say I think The Handmaiden is the better film. The better made film, the better movie in general. I liked Barn Burning more, or Burning. Burning. Burning more. And I think it's the film I would recommend to people first. Like, if you're, oh, hey, you want to watch, easier. You, you like Parasite, you really got into Parasite, go watch Burning. It's an easier transition. And then if you watch Burning, you're like, man, that was so good. 
Then Tell me watch more. Watch Handmaiden. Go watch The Handmaiden. Yeah. That's the path sure. I would. I think you will Handmaiden, regret watching either of them. You will love it. I think Handmaiden is just Whoever like you are listening. <laughs> it's impeccable filmmaking. Handmaiden yes. between like the symbolism, the editing, the cinematography. Mm-hmm. Handmaiden looks beautiful. It is a beautifully filmed movie. Not that the burning doesn't look beautiful. It's just, it's in the sense of like it's a different killing of two lovers. Yeah. Like it looks good, but at the same time, it's a little more gritty. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but, but barn burning, I, I'm going to keep calling it barn burning, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Burning, <laughs> I've thought about it more than The Handmaiden. Mm-hmm, me too. Like just what it means. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it's, you can tell it's written. It's, it's made from a short story. It because is based it's on a short like story. a short story. It's very um, event based like a, a, around a certain event and um seeing that i'm reading a lot of short stories right mm-hmm. now you can tell just watching the movie that it is based on a short story so it is based on a really short story like 10 pages long i mean in the movie's long i think but... it was even published in the new yorker mm-hmm. um but the short story is called barn burning. barn burning mm-hmm. by hiroku murakami yeah who Famous writer who I've read other short stories by Murakami. Never read a novel, even though I've had many friends tell me. He has many novels. Many novels. But I have many friends who tell me, you you have to read him. Like, why aren't you reading him? Kafka on the shore. We need to. Et cetera. And I even told one friend this summer that I would read one over the summer break. You've got two weeks, buddy. I know. But (laughs) I feel like I've read, I read... I read the short story Barn Burning last night, immediately following Burning. I've tracked down the short story, and I read it. And the short story, and you you didn't read it, I'll tell you. I did not read it. It's funny. It's one of those things. You know how you, like, read a story sometimes? And you're like, oh, I can see how they kind of, I can see the movie in there. The short story is, let's say the heart, the middle of this movie is the short story. Mm -hmm. And... The filmmakers at bookended it by expanding it. Text and post text. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But the middle section and this little ten-page story, there's almost chunks of dialogue that are lifted. Oh, really? Full wholesale. But I loved. Well, go ahead. But, but all I'll say is this: the general story of this is that um, a young man who's just kind of like a He's, Early again, 20s. classism is in here. He's, he's, he's young. He's young. He doesn't really seem to be employed, doesn't have much money. Um, it's kind of in his father's, living he in his father's house. Jobs. Yeah, he's living right. in his father's house because his father's been arrested for violent behavior. But he runs into this girl, this young woman his age. Who they grew up together. Mm-hmm. But haven't seen each other in years. Right. And they sort of start, connect, connect start up a little friendship. Um, type deal, and he starts to kind of get infatuated with her. I should have done research on her because I really liked her. I as think an this actress. was her. This was her um, film debut. So I wish I would have done some research, but I have to say she was funny. Her action—I mean, her—she had a lot of humor, you know, and she did it well, and she. Um, I just thought her acting was great, playing the character that she did, because she bounced between kind of manic depression mm-hmm. um, into, like, just full-on... Um, I think her character's name was, like, Jaime? Yeah, Jaime's full-on, like, crying, suicidal, kind of, but what's when he the runs meaning into of her, life? when he runs into her, and she's like, hey, let's go grab a, a bite, and... She's also fascinating. And she's like happy-go-lucky, funny. She says um, she wants to be a mime. A mime, pantomime, yeah. And she's practicing pantomime, and she does this whole bit with the tangerine, which is right in that short story. Yes. And um, That is fascinating. That is a great part. of. I mean, that is she acts that so well. No, perfectly. And she does this bit, and he's kind of like, huh? But that opening scene lays the groundwork for what this whole film is about. Mm-hmm. Because she talks about the secret of pantomime is not acting 
what is it? Not acting like something is not there. Is not there. Um, or not Believing trying. Believing it's actually there. Yeah, but it's like, and not even trying. You know, it's just if you believe it's there and if you believe something, then it's there. It's just there. It's, it, the trick is not to think that it's not there. Right. What she, she puts it that way. She doesn't say try and to think really that it's... that is really the theme of the entire movie. Yeah. She doesn't say yeah. act like it's there. She goes, it's to believe, to not believe that it's not there. You know right. what I mean? It's that, it's that different approach mindset. So um, she, they kind of lay that out in like this casual conversation and you don't realize at the time, but this is what the whole story is based on. Yeah, because then she's like, hey, can you come? I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to go to Africa for like pantomime to work under some pantomime director, yeah, teacher. Um, I'm going to go to Africa for a couple months and can you feed my cat while I'm gone? Right. And, and he's like just reconnected with her, which I thought was strange, but that's what gave it the short story element to, you know, where it was. And the cat bit isn't in the short story at all. Okay. But I thought it was fascinating because um, even early on when he gets there, he's not 100% sure the cat even exists. He right. never sees the cat. She calls the cat. It never comes out. It has a very strange name. There's cat food. There's a litter box. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he even he says to her, but he even says to her, like, do you even have a cat? And she goes, why would I ask you to feed my cat if I don't have a cat? And he even recites her thing about, is this something I'm... In your imagination. When, yeah, do you have an imaginary cat? But he even says, is this the type of thing that I'm supposed to not think that it's not there? That same right. sort of phrasing. And she kind of smiles and laughs. Um, and so what truly happens throughout the movie, like the tangerines and the bowl, he believes the cat is real. We don't know if the cat's real or not. We really don't know. But in, his, in his mind, there is a cat. Mm-hmm. Because he's now believed that there's not he the possibility... He's believed there's not the possibility that there isn't a cat. And he's bought into her. He mm-hmm. is kind of mesmerized by her in his own way. You uh, know? And that's he's... what this movie is. Like, once you introduce an idea about something, right? Mm-hmm. And we've, no, we've talked about this in other elements of our life, Right. Once you introduce the idea of something in your mind, it's nearly impossible to shake that thought. Right. Even if you don't know if, that it's a, if it's even a if reality you've or not. Zero confirmation. Even if you've been shown the contrary, you can't shake this thought that you formed and planted. And that's what this movie's about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think... It's and, fascinating. That's not a theme I've ever seen in a movie that's before. That's what I mean. That's why... And it's introduced in this short story. Mm-hmm. And that's the point of this short story a bit. Um, this takes it in much deeper and darker, the movie. But that's why I mean I think this was the harder movie to follow. Because though there is some symbolism and, and, and really good filmmaking, there's a lot of cool, super long shots that just like sit and pan and go, which I thought was great. I say, this yeah. one never tips at hand as to what's going on, even up until the end. Mm-hmm. It never fully lets you know what's real and what doesn't. Yeah, Where the really handmaiden lets like, you know, like, hey, here's what happened. Like, you can, you can really figure every of piece like, of it what out. What is going on? You get slightly frustrated with her character because you feel like she's kind of leading these two men on. There's another man introduced. Speaking of which, into yeah. The, when, into the, when she comes back from Africa, she brings another man um, played by Stephen Yen. Who was in the Here's movie that. we love? No, Minari. No, uh, Minari, yeah. He's also in The Walking Dead, but Minari, which we loved. Mm-hmm. Um, another wonderful <laughs> Korean film. Um, but but she, he comes back and he's rich. He has a Porsche. He, he has nice clothes, a nice apartment. And she is sort of, they become, for lack right. of a term, not even friends, almost like boyfriend, girlfriend. Almost. And the story. You, you never know if they are... The short story, they are boyfriend and girlfriend. Okay, so in the movie, they're not really like a they're couple. Da- they're not like... You don't know that they're like sexually... You don't know that, but you know they're dating. Entangled. No, I because I think there's enough, there's enough comments in it. I feel that that implies they're hanging out and they're having conversations. Um, again, to what level of their dating, I don't know. But you, you at least get the feel that they're dating. So it is frustrating in a good way about her character because she, you can feel her naivety 
throughout the movie because she is, she's just, she, she, I can't think of the word, um, gives off a kind of young, naive, naive feel. And then, but she also is kind of stringing these two guys along and you're, you're kind of thinking like, which one is going to, like something's going to happen because, you know, he's kind of mesmerized with her, the friend from the beginning. And now this guy's involved and, and he's kind of, you know, they have this class issue. Yeah, the class system's there. But yeah, you're right. So that's frustrating about her character. And then you see her lapse into kind of her... Um, mental illness that she's suffering with. Or her emotional or her emotional, emotional instability. I, I don't think illness, she has mental illness. I mean, she was slightly suicidal. That's mental illness. Yeah, but I think I think she's more... Well, again, they hint at it, and again, that's the great thing about the film. You don't know how extreme that is. You don't Does know she how. have moments where she's she says, I, I feel like yeah. I don't want to live anymore? Yes. Um, she says that once or twice. But she's never like, I'm going to kill myself. No, she's not. But um, you, you worry about her emotional instability. And that's one thing, I guess, I'm, I, I forgot. She went to Africa, too, because she's the one searching. She's right? searching for the, her meaning in life. Her meaning in life. Basically. And she, she's there to learn about the great hunger from these, like, shamans and whatnot, mm-hmm. right? About there's people who have little hunger. They're just hungry for food. Mm-hmm. And then there's these people about the great hunger. Or hungry and for the meaning of life. The hunger for the meaning of life. And there's some, a lot of symbolism about how, like, Dance. they're eventually, like, dancing and raising their hand to the moon and to the sun. And she does that later in the film as well in a really kind of weird, trippy moment where she's, like, you Which can I tell. I think that was really symbolic in showing that that, well, that she's man with the, she's with the two was men. willing to let her kind of make a fool out of herself in front of the well, others. you're thinking about the dinner party. I'm yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. when they're just the three of them. Oh, yeah. No, that... That's, I, really I thought liked that, that was her. Scene. That's that her was a moment. Very pivotal scene. Because she's with the two men. Mm-hmm. One of them, the younger, the one her age, that's after the, the poor mm-hmm. individual, he is clearly in love with her, mm-hmm. and but knows he doesn't have the confidence to kind of try to win her and woo her. Every every moment he has, he he succumbs to the Stephen Yen's character mm-hmm. Ben. He goes by, um, which is also interesting. He has. An American The American name. name. Mm-hmm. And the rest of them have Korean names. And, and then you have the other man there, Ben, who's just there to have fun, hanging out. It's just another kind of conquest. Yeah, Curiosity. I'm not really sure what his role is Because the he said, the, the other guy said, why do you, why does, oh, he asked um, the young son, right, the... Mm-hmm. The, the young guy, he asked her one time, why does Ben hang out with you? Why does Ben like you? And she's like, well, Ben finds me interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's what you see. Ben's there out of curiosity and interest. And then she's doing her, like, great hunger dance, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm torn between this, these two worlds, these two people. At the dinner party. No. No, at okay. the dinner party, she's a joke. That's the joke. And yeah, even, the and even party, Ben... It shows that he's not there to protect her. No, and when he just yawns. Well, he yawns, he sits back, people think she's acting weird, and, and he's and not going to say anything. He's not there to protect her, and I think that was very symbolic. Yeah, well, that's Ben's character in general. Yeah. Ben has no depth at all on purpose. He is... Right. Every dinner party, it shows him at three or four different dinner parties, including one at like a really fancy museum. He never has anything to contribute. Right. He sits there. He smiles. He's like, sits we've back. all seen these men, right? They have nothing to contribute, so they ha- give their opportunity to either say something funny and witty. Or make fun of someone. Or make fun or whatever. And that's mm-hmm. kind of all he does. He just makes a witty comment. And pay for it all. So and he's pays seen for it and then backs out. Mm-hmm. hero. Mm-hmm. Which is funny. Another element of this movie that I thought was good, right? Mm-hmm. Young son refers to him as the great Gatsby. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And Jay Gatsby. Because young son is an aspiring writer, too. The literary element of this is, is fascinating. There's two pieces of it. The great Gatsby, which is mentioned in the short story. He's mm-hmm. kind of referred to as a Gatsby type. Mm-hmm. Um, the great Gatsby is another lover's triangle movie right. between two men. Mm-hmm. There's Jay Gatsby. Movie slash book. Yeah. And he's the rich 
out of touch kind of guy. You have right. Daisy. Mm-hmm. And then you have, I forgot the other, the main character's name, Nick. I think his name's Nick in Gatsby. And he's the one who lives in the small little summer house that he's... Right, 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 right. right. Mm-hmm. And he's infatuated with Daisy, but Daisy's infatuated with Gatsby. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have that dynamic It all sort of doesn't end well, right? So it connects with this movie. And what's it's going on? parallel with this. Completely parallel. As well as the ongoing William Faulkner References. reference. True. Who also wrote a short story called Barn Burning. Oh, I did not know this. Yeah, this is this your I research, told you. I told you. man. I have, I have, when I fall asleep, I, a lot of research happens. <laughs> no, but I didn't. Even, I, I didn't even research this because while I'm watching it, I mean, I think at one point, I don't know if you remember. I think I said in the movie, I was like, "Oh, I get what they're doing now," or something like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know um, about the the more modern Murakami barn burning short story. Short story. I've read Barn Burning by William Faulkner. Faulkner. Now, granted, I read it in like 1999. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have vague memories of Barn Burning. But it's the same thing. Barn Burning is about a father, I believe it's a father, who is on trial that burned oh. down the neighbor's barn. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's this idea of classism between the rich and the poor and barn burning and all this, right? And there's an element in this where Ben... Likes to burn down bar or greenhouses, greenhouses. but he burns down. He says he he burns burns down down abandoned greenhouses, abandoned greenhouses or barns, which again is not in. No, that's in the short story, Um, and you don't know the Murakami short story. And that's another thing you don't know if he actually burns down barns or not not. because it never shows him doing that. Yeah, and I'm thinking that I thought symbolism. And again, I don't want to give away the ending. Yeah, this, what we'll do is, if we need to talk about the, the whole little last act, we might at the last like three minutes say, hey, we'll spoil the ending. Okay. But if you, I think if, if you listen this far, nothing's really been spoiled for you. Because even on Burning, the synopsis sets up and says, it's about a young man who meets a young well, woman. I won't say the ending, but I, I was thinking that the greenhouse is actually the girl. Mm-hmm. The greenhouse... Well, the synopsis he burns even says down greenhouses, and he well he kind moves of. on. So let's say this: we're we're getting close to the end. I think the yeah. last main part to talk about is sort of the ending, how it all wraps up. Um, but even the so tread lightly because he kept saying it's very near to you. Yeah. To Young Sun. Well, yeah, Young Sun's like which which, which greenhouse, greenhouse are you going to burn? be burning? He's like, oh, it's and close. And he's even tracking the greenhouses. He's watching for them. And the short story does that. He watches, um, he, but he never sees one that's burned down, and even visits different he ones. He finds every greenhouse within. And he his, says it like, multiple times, like, yes, it's very close to you. And that's why I think the greenhouse to him is really the woman. Yeah, and it almost feels like when Ben said that he was being. Um, just kind of like, well, just kind of like joking around because, yeah, Young Sun says this well, when this they're, is his hobby. Well, no, this, yeah, and this is when they're hanging out at their, at Young Sun's house for a minute. And he's like, I'm in love with, um, I'm in love with her. Jaime. Jaime. And Ben ignores it. Mm-hmm. And Ben's like, well, you know what my hobby is, is burning down greenhouses. So maybe you have something there. He's like, yeah. my hobby is, is I burn them down. Because, because. And Youngson confronts him about it later. And Ben's like, oh, yeah, you, you remembered that? Yeah. I, I think it's the woman because it's his hobby to get to meet a woman to kind of, you know, underclass women. Mm-hmm. Like broken down greenhouses. And kind of mess with them and then destroy them, basically. Yeah, Ben has a weird hobby we find out near the end but of the movie. I think that's the hobby, though. It's no, really the women, not the greenhouse. Well, what does he like to do? But he says his hobby is that he burns down greenhouses. He likes to. He's the ultimate um, misogynistic womanizer. He likes to class them up. Mm-hmm. We see it with this next woman, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why does he have a thing of makeup in his bathroom? Because mm-hmm. he likes to put the makeup fix on them, them and fix them up. Mm-hmm. And then we can, we don't know, but then we can theorize that then he does something to destroy them emotionally. 
mm-hmm. um, and move and on. And they disappear, basically. Yeah. There's we a don't hint. know what happens There's to a them. hint. We don't know. There's a, even the synopsis hints at that Jaime eventually disappears. Mm-hmm. We just don't see her anymore. So you don't know if she has committed suicide? And the, the, if she yeah, has, the synopsis if he says Youngson gets suspicious when his friend disappears. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets suspicious of... You really never know what has happened to this her. This new man. But Youngson assumes that, that he has killed her. That, yeah. that Ben has killed her. He now becomes... When he can't find her and he sees clues. A thought has entered his mind which he cannot shake, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once something's there, like the tangerine, mm-hmm. you believe it's there like forever. The like the cat. And every little thing he sees only points to the fact that, the only, in his mind, the only logical solution is she's dead. That she's been killed by this by man that has entered the equation. Even though Ben has showed no violent, violent tendencies, tendencies at all. At all. And he hasn't even, you know, one might say he's slightly creepy, but not really. You asked me in the middle of the movie. You and I was kind of like creepy. trolling and, and setting really up like. I really didn't think he seemed creepy. I was like, oh, this guy's really creepy, right? And I was only saying that because the synopsis of the film mm-hmm. says. But to me, he wasn't. He was even very inviting and nice to young son, except, you know, like. I mean, he, he had never, an air of condescension. Of course, he had an air of condescending nature, but he wasn't violent or creepy, really. And what really bothered Young Son wasn't about Ben was, like, for example, Jaime, which we really like, they're out in public, and again, he's not stepping up to her aid. He's yawning when she's doing her stories. He's he not sees all over her. her or anything. No, he's never affectionate. He's never affectionate. He's yawning um, with his new girl mm-hmm. as well, and that kind of just irks. It infuriates um, Young son. Young son. Because he's like, you have all this stuff and you don't appreciate any of it. You know? Right. Sure. Oh, wait, I have one, but I'll take Oh, thank you. Um, but we just had water brought to us, but they're so nice here at the Corner Club. So nice. But that, well, that's the other neat part about this, like a movie about jealousy. Because even Ben admits to Young Son at some point, which we talked about this right before we started recording, right? Ben's about to get in his Porsche right. in the super nice restaurant because Young Son's been following him everywhere with a new, young, attractive woman. And Young Son's like, where's Jaime? I want to talk to you about Jaime. And he's like, I don't know where she is. She was like an emotional wreck with no money. I, don't I know. haven't seen her. I haven't seen her. And I really don't care. And he's like, she has nobody. Her family is kind of disowned her. Yeah. And she didn't have any friends. You were her only friend. She's like the abandoned greenhouse. She trusted, <laughs> and she admitted to me that she trusted you and thought you were special. And I'll tell you what, that made me jealous, which. I never feel jealous. I don't feel jealousy. And he also said earlier on in the movie, Ben said, I don't feel sadness. Like, again, he's a presented as a character who's like, doesn't feel. And all Young Sung does is feel. Yeah, constantly. <laughs> That's all he, does. he wakes up every morning, like, in pain. Yes. Like, mental anguish. I know. Isn't that so weird? <laughs> and so... I mean, it's... Yeah, he does. All he does is feel and think and And the jealousy and... part is in the short story. And it's another element here. Um, but then, yeah, so then you're just left with the movie that it's sort of about... It's about all that, too. It's about how that kind of So I thought it was consumes. a wonderful movie. I really liked it a lot. A lot. No, that's what I mean. That's why I said this one you think a lot more about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and by the and then end... they don't wrap it up in a pretty package at the end, which So my you question love. is... You love that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> but he starts, again, at the very end. If you haven't seen it, I recommend people go see The Burning... Burning Amazon Prime and then watch the anime. Well, I don't have to say what happens in the end. I know, but I'm curious what your thoughts. I, to get to this part, we can say. Pause it. Here's what we'll do. Um, <laughs> let's do our cheers. Cheers. Uh, I did my water. You did your coffee. Go see it. We're gonna let the music play after we say yes. our bye. Okay. And then it's gonna come back in. And we 
And I want to talk about like the last for two minutes. Talk about the end. But I will say this too. We we started off saying it was also about like imperialism and classism. There's the interesting piece about you can hear the North Korean broadcast yes. um, mm-hmm. on his property because they're right at the, the border, the DMZ, the demarcation zone, which apparently that's stopped. They don't do that now anymore. I don't know. But as the filming of this movie, they did. Okay. And there's a scene where, like, Trump's on the TV. That is weird. And it kind of talks about Trump-era politics. Like, um, so all that's mixed in here, so I thought it was interesting. But, yeah. That was interesting. Two really good movies. I think ultimately the burning burning is the one I like better. Really? Mm-hmm. But I, I told you that. But I think Handmaid's the better movie. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. But um, um. stay tuned at the end, and then and then we will okay. um, see you guys in the next movie. Yep. All right. Bye. Bye. So real quick, I don't think we need to explain anything. My question is you is, is Jaime alive or dead? Is Jaime alive or dead? Mm-hmm. I think she's dead. Wow. All right. Do you think what do you think? Oh, I, I think she's 100% alive. Really? I think she's moved on. I think two, two pivotal things happened at the end of that night at his place, at Young Sun's place. Mm-hmm. It ends with him calling, Young Sun calling her a whore. Yes. Because she took her shirt off in front of them both. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want to be controlled mm-hmm. by... Well, just also, this is the one person in her life that she sort of trusted. And from the beginning, she even said, you called me ugly in grade school. Right. Um, and I think she had really trusted him, put that in him. And then I think Ben, after they left... I think that is where, like you said, he burned the greenhouse down. He didn't kill her, but... He emotionally... She just left. Right. She packed up her things. You might be right. She didn't take her suitcase. We saw her suitcase. But she cleaned up her apartment, she packed up her things and left. Yeah. Somewhere else. Who knows where? She had gone to Africa again. She just left searching. What she needed, her family left her, and the last person wasn't there for her. Was gone. Um, so because if she she's dead, you think she killed herself or Ben killed her? I, I, I was thinking Ben killed her, although that's the easy answer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, they lived the hint of that because in Ben's bathroom also are all these women's jewelry. Yeah, all these women's jewelry. And then he moves on to the next young girl. And he has... And I Jaime's, think it's the same girl from the beginning. That and he has her watch. In front of the store yeah, with And he her. has her watch in the... Yes. Right. See, I looked at that as this was just what he did. And so they like eventually, hub, he either took hobby. a token or they left something at some point and he just held on to them. Yeah, like, I mean, that's I kind of related to the hobby of like just destroying young girls, spending some time with them, breaking them down, destroying them, and potentially I mean, he killing could have been a them. Killer. He could have been. But. but and I he has know. the weird scene where he drives to that lake and he just like stands and looks at the lake. Are, are, are we supposed to mean that. Women are in there. The That's where he puts the dead body. But Young Sun believes that. Young Sun believes it. Because he's so. put that thought in his mind. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I don't know if that's true. I think, again, that's just him. Well, you never know if it's true. He's, he's convinced himself as, that it is. And we as the viewer are being led to think like he thinks. So as a viewer, which I think is great that a movie can do that, you can end the movie with two people thinking completely mm-hmm. different things yeah. that happened. So Yeah. So that, and, and both of them... You don't know but with, at the which end, one is true. But shows up when Young Sun calls him and says, both of us are here. We want to meet you or whatever. And Ben meet shows up. Meet us here. And he says, Jaime and I are here. Mm-hmm. And he shows up. And but ben is shows. he showing up out of curiosity? Of because course. he knows know. she couldn't be there. Which then Young Sun comes and stabs him and kills him. Yeah. <laughs>
Whereas, again... Well, his belief has you, overtaken you, him. You believe the tangerine is there so much... Right. ...that um, I think, what did, what did she say at the beginning of the movie? Like, you hunger for it. And I think he's also probably angry at himself for calling her a whore and, mm-hmm. you know... That's my thought. I think she just left. Like, she had nothing to be here for. She had no true. attachments. I couldn't, I couldn't understand... Now that you say that, I couldn't really put together, like, why... That scene was bothersome to me when he, called, when he called her a whore. Mm. Because that wasn't in his nature. It wasn't part... It wasn't... And when he did that, I thought, well, that was jarring. Like, why did he do that? Like, what... I think he was. He was upset that she. He was angry she, and upset, and now she's leaving with him yet again. Yeah. You know. Um, and then you know, but he he doesn't really persuade her to be with him because she, on a couple occasions when he first Ben first comes, she kind of pauses and stares at him like, "Are you gonna say come are you with gonna me? Do something? Yeah, are you gonna do are something you gonna about say, this? Are you gonna fight for me?" Oh, yeah, she, he like never she does. she wants him to step up, mm-hmm. he but never he does. never does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I was just curious. Again, obviously, the movie doesn't tell you, which no, I think I doesn't. love. But he does, at that point, starts writing again. Yes. And what I would assume, he takes over her and apartment. lives in her apartment. Yes. <laughs> and sort of, he's sort of kind of grown starting and moved on. Yeah, starting his life. And I think she is just... So she's taught him something. Yeah. Maybe I think she's just somewhere out there. Of to kind of step up, maybe. Mm-hmm. Step up to the plane. And Ben's dead and gone. It was a great movie. So, anyway. anyway. Just thought on that little bookend. Maybe that's, that's what we'll do for now. We'll put our yeah. <laughs> spoilers at the end. I think that's end. a good idea. So. I like it. And we're, we're geniuses. This was fun. And right. I'm excited about this new place we've... Mm-hmm. Not new, but the place we've now come to. Yeah. And Enjoy. Corner right. Club. The Corner Club. We, we are don't. sitting in the corner at the Corner Club. The Corner of the Corner Club. <laughs> All right. I don't think we... All right. Bye again. Okay. Bye. bye.